Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. And I want to say Merry Christmas. And I want to say Merry Christmas to all those in our video venue. We're so glad that you're here too. I'll tell you, there's nothing like Christmas at the creek. And I'll tell you, and I'm just so glad uh, that you chose to be here today. You could be, like Todd said, a lot of different places. But we're gathered here, focused on truly the reason for the season. And that is to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. You know, there's nothing more exciting in, in a family's life than to welcome a new baby into the mix. And leading up to that moment that that baby is born, I'm telling you, the waiting room and probably the delivery room is filled with anticipation, filled with excitement. At the beginning of November, my daughter Sarah um, had a baby. And his name is Shepherd, which is so appropriate for uh, the Christmas service. Here's a picture of uh, little Shep and my wife, Patty. He's a sweet one now. Both of them are sweet ones. <laughs> I got you. Okay. <laughs> Whoo, man, that was almost a, a fail right there, wasn't it? <laughs> but you know, having a baby is not only uh, just for the, the parents, but it's a whole family affair. Here's a, uh, a little bit later when the whole family gathered around Sarah and we celebrated you know, you know, when you look at pictures like that, you know, oftentimes a picture like that doesn't tell the whole story because everybody's at peace and they're celebrating, but that's not how it all started. It started like this. Uh, Shep was supposed to be born on November the 4th, and so Patty and I decided to go to the Lee University homecoming the week before. And so it was Friday, we were staying with her parents in Cleveland, Tennessee, and I was up early about 6 o'clock, and about 6.20, she's walking down the hallway, and I can hear her come in, and she is crying. I'm saying, what's wrong? She said, Sarah's in labor. And I said, well, get in the car, let's go. We got in the car, headed down I-75, got to Augusta University Hospital at 11.18. Shep was born at 10.52. So we missed it. And, you know, Patty had dreams of being in the delivery room, but we just missed it. And so when you see a picture like this, everybody's happy, but boy, and peaceful, but leading up to that, it just didn't look like that. You know, uh, a few weeks later, it was time to start thinking about Christmas and our Christmas card. I'll tell you, some of the most stressful times at the Baker household is like getting everybody together for a Christmas card. And so I said, we're going to do this early. We're not going to do it after Thanksgiving dinner. When everybody's tired, the kids are tired. We're going to do it early. So three weeks after Shep was born, we put it on the calendar before Thanksgiving to have our our Christmas card picture taken. Here's the Christmas card picture. Many of you have seen that maybe. So everybody looks peaceful, right? Now, we posted this on Instagram And we know that when you post something on Instagram, it shows the whole story, right? Not at all. You add filters and you do edits. You do all of that kind of stuff. But let me say, this is really exhibit A because it is really not as you 
uh, see because we took a lot of pictures to get to this one. Why? Because we have a two-year-old, because we have a four-year-old, and we have a three-week-old. And did I say Sarah is recovering from a C-section? And so you had to do all of that to get it just picture perfect. Oftentimes, pictures don't tell the whole story. Now, some of you, you've done that, that Christmas card picture thing before, and you say, yeah, we did that last year, but no, not this year. We're going to go traditional. We're going to have us a, a, a nativity scene Christmas card, and your card looks something like this. And let me say, that's a beautiful card. Really beautiful. I mean, it's got it all. It's got Mary and Joseph and Jesus. It's got the stable. It's got glory to God in the highest. You know, we've been talking about glory over the last several weeks here at the creek. And glory, it means what you're known for or what you're best at. We think about LeBron James. He gets his glory from basketball. That's what he's known for. Or maybe we think about the University of Georgia. They're known for football, right? That's where they get their glory. I mean, in fact, they even sing a song like, Glory, glory to old Georgia. G-E-O-R-G. Oh, it's hard for a South Carolina fan to finish that. <laughs> but that's where they get their glory. Well, when we sing glory to God in the highest, God's glory is his goodness. That's what he is known for. And so when we sing, uh, when we see cards like this, glory to God in the highest, we look at that card and we say, well, that really, that's picture perfect, but it really doesn't tell the whole story. Let's look at Luke chapter two. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Now, this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register, so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and to the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. Now, when you look at this nativity scene, you've got to see what's really going on behind the scenes in Bethlehem. First of all, you've got to understand it was tax season. And in those days, you had to go to your hometown to pay your taxes. Now, tax season, whether it's back then or now, can be a very stressful season. I mean, now, what are we doing? We're looking for receipts, and we're trying to crunch numbers, and we're trying to get it all uh, done in time. Back then, it had its own set of stresses, especially in Joseph and Mary's life, because they had to get from Nazareth over to Bethlehem. And just think about it, that's about a 100-mile journey. And Mary's at this point in her pregnancy where she just can't get comfortable. I would imagine that standing still hurts, sitting down hurts, laying down hurts, and surely riding a donkey for a 100 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem had to be very painful and very difficult. We know that Mary and Joseph were in the center of God's will. Isn't it interesting how they were in the center of God's will, but yet their life was not easy. Some of you tonight, 
You're in the center of God's will. You're, you're in the exact place that God wants you to be. Yet this year has been one of struggle and difficulty. And maybe this year has been one of great pain. And to those of you that have suffered and you're going through the struggle, I just want to remind you that God is with you. We sang Emmanuel just a minute ago, and that, that word Emmanuel means that God is with us. I also want to encourage you to start looking for something good. I believe that God specializes in, um, in bringing good out of difficult situations you may go through. We go back to the scriptures, and while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, and she wrapped him in cloths and she placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Now, the stable and the manger didn't look like the one you bought on Amazon this Christmas. That stable was a cave that was hewn from the side of the hill and it was probably big enough for a few animals. And when you look into that stable, it was probably not very sanitary and it may not have been very safe. But in the midst of this very stressful time in Joseph and Mary's life, Jesus is born. And there were shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. Now here we see the shepherds. Now these guys, they... They went to work that night thinking it's just going to be another night under the stars. These guys were hard workers. They were faithful men. They were uh, good blue-collar workers, common people. They probably arrived at work that night thinking, ah, this is just another night. But then an angel shows up. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, what would happen next week when you go back to work if an angel showed up at your job? I mean, your response would probably be just like their response. They were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all of the people today. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is the Messiah. He is the Lord. And this will be a sign to you, that you'll find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill men. Glory to God. Glory is what you are known for. It's what you're best at. In the Old Testament, Moses, after receiving the Ten Commandments, came down off of the mountain, and shortly after that, he went to the tent of meeting to pray. Do you know what his prayer was? He prayed, God, show me your glory. God responded, And he said, I will allow my goodness to pass before you. God's glory is his goodness. God is known for his goodness. That's why the angel that that first Christmas offered them this encouragement. said, do not be afraid. I bring good news. Good news. A Savior has been born, and he's Christ the Lord. 
Verse 15, and when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. The shepherds were determined not to miss this event. They were determined not to miss this Christmas. They went out and searched. They searched for Mary. They searched for Joseph. They searched for this baby. You know, a lot of people missed that first Christmas because they were busy doing other things. I think the politicians missed the first Christmas. The religious leaders missed that first Christmas. Even the innkeeper missed the first Christmas. But the shepherds did not miss it because they were looking for the Messiah. They were searching for him. We know that Jesus is the real reason for the season. He is the gift that God has given us. We see this in John 3 and 16 where it says, God so loved you and me, God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So we understand that Jesus is the gift of Christmas. But let's go a little deeper. What does that mean? In fact, I believe that that when you find Jesus, you'll find three things this Christmas. First of all, you'll find forgiveness of your sins. This is at the very heart of the Christmas message. In Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21, it says, She'll give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus came to save us. You may say, okay, why do I need? A savior. Why do I need a savior? Well, let's think about it this way. The Bible says that heaven is a perfect place. There are mo- no mistakes, no inconsistencies. It's perfect. And listen to this. Only perfect people go there. Well, let's be honest. None of us are perfect here. There's nobody perfect in this auditorium. There's nobody perfect uh, in our atrium. There's nobody perfect on this campus. None at all. Jesus was perfect, and he paid the price for that. You see, God devised a plan where you could get to heaven on somebody else's ticket. God devised a plan so that you can get to heaven on somebody else's ticket. So Jesus came, he paid the price so that you and I could go to heaven. He paid for our mistakes. That's the message of Christmas, that you can be forgiven, that I can be forgiven, that we can start over. And some of you feel like that you made too many mistakes. You've missed too many opportunities. You've ruined too many relationships. You think it's just too late for me. I mean, I'm like Humpty Dumpty that your life is broken and all the king's horses and all the king's men can't put your life back together again. Here's what I want you to know. Your past is a lesson. It is not a life sentence. Did you hear that? Your past is a lesson. It is not a life sentence. God gives you the chance to start over. And that's the message of Christmas. 
Here's the second thing you'll find. You'll not only find forgiveness, but you'll find peace of mind. Now, we hear this word peace a lot during the holidays and really throughout the year. But do we really understand it? Do we know the true meaning of peace? Because many people consider peace being that you drink so much uh, that you become drunk and then it dulls all of your pain. And that's what it means to have peace. Other people think it's, it's going from experience to experience or relationship to a relationship or it, it's finding that contentment in making money or business or whatever else. But real peace of mind is having a relationship with Jesus Christ and becoming friends with God. It's knowing that no matter what I do, that God will not stop loving me. Real peace is knowing that no matter what happens in the next year, in 2020, that God will give you the strength to get through it. God's going to give you the strength. And I realize some of you have suffered greatly over the last year. Maybe some of you have lost a loved one. And this is that first holiday without that person that you loved. Maybe you've lost a relationship. Maybe you've lost a friend. Maybe you've lost a job. And I know it's tough, but you're not alone in your struggle. You see, you've got to understand God is with you. You need to know that peace is not the absence of trouble, but, but peace is God's presence, God's glory, God's goodness. It is God's presence in the middle of your trouble. That's why the Bible says, for unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called the wonderful counselor, the, the mighty God, the everlasting father, and the prince of peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. We can have peace with the Lord. The storm may be raging, but Jesus is with you, and when he is with you, he will give you peace. Here's the third thing. Not only can you find peace this Christmas, but you can find eternal life. Now, we don't like to talk a lot about eternal life because we know that to get to eternal life, that means that we've got to die. And, you know, talking about death is pretty uncomfortable for, for many folks. Have you ever noticed how uh, we are always shocked at somebody, uh, somebody's past? We are shocked when we hear the news, oh, so-and-so died. A few weeks ago, Patty's aunt, Elaine, passed away. Now, she was 93, lived a great life, was a, a dedicated believer. But, but we're shocked, oh, Elaine died. We're surprised. Why do you think we're so surprised when somebody dies? I think that we have this low-grade denial going on inside of us about death. We think, well, it's going to happen to somebody else, but, oh, it's not going to happen to me. Let me tell you that the last time I checked, the death rate is very close to 100%. Okay, very, very close. I think part of what drives this denial is for many people, they just don't know exactly what's going to happen the moment after they die. And so they think, if I, I just don't put it, let it come into my mind, it's not going to happen. And some people are just not prepared to meet God on the other side. In fact, there are some here today that you, you don't even know if you believe in God or Jesus or 
heaven or hell or the Bible. You don't even know if you believe in Christmas or Easter. You're just here today. And so, since you don't know, you just don't even think about eternal life. You just don't think about it. But one day, whether you believe it or not, every one of us will stand before a holy God. One day, all of us will give an account of our life, your life. You'll give an account of your very own life. You don't have to wonder where you're going to spend eternity. The message of Christmas is clear, that you can be saved, that you can be a part of God's family. You may think that you're hopeless. You may think that you're unworthy. You may think that you're too old or maybe you're too young. You may think that you've been too bad or maybe you're just too good for this. Or maybe you think you don't even need God, but you do. You need him. And it's not where you've come from that matters, but it's where you're going. And God can use humble beginnings to change the world. You see, Jesus came to save you and me. That's the good news of great joy that was shared on that first Christmas. You see, the the miracle of Christmas is not found on 34th Street. It's found in Bethlehem. For Jesus came to offer you forgiveness, peace, and eternal life. Where he come to show you his glory. God's glory is his goodness. That's what he's known for. And when the angel said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, you can find peace in God's favor, God's goodwill towards you. Well, that's the Christmas story. And there are hundreds of thousands, even millions of people that will hear this story tonight and tomorrow. And everybody that hears the Christmas story will have some sort of response to this story. There will be many people that will listen to a story like this in a church like this, and maybe even in this auditorium. And that you'll hear that and then... You'll listen to the final song and then you'll uh, get in your car and you'll go home and you'll gather around the table and you'll have dinner and then tomorrow you'll open presents and you'll go on about your business and this story never changes, never impacts your life. Because you never take time to respond to it. Well, tonight we want to do something different. We want to just take a couple of minutes and, and allow your response to be the main focus of tonight's service. And to help you think about your response to the Christmas message, I'm going to show you four pictures on the screen. And we're going to talk through those pictures. In fact, there are icons that relate to those pictures uh, on a handout that you received in your worship guide. If you can take that out and maybe take a pen that you see laying on the floor or in your seat. And I want your response uh, to be crafted tonight and give you an opportunity to figure out where you are in this journey. Because all of us are on a journey. We're just different places. So what's our response to this Christmas message? The first picture we look at is the beautiful winter scene. We see this beautiful winter scene, this beautiful fence, and then there's the gate, and then there's this wreath on the gate. 
That's a beautiful winter scene. It's not exactly Augusta, Georgia, but it's a beautiful winter scene. But notice something that's interesting about this fence. The interesting thing to me is the gate is closed. There's a closed gate. Now, this may be a description of the response that some of you had when you heard the story of Christmas a moment ago. I mean, you heard the information and it made sense to you and you, you processed it all. But when this information attempted to go from your head down to your heart, it, it was like the gate was closed. It couldn't get down to your heart. And some of you don't even know why the gate is closed. But it seems like every time the subject of Christianity comes up, And whether it's holidays like this, like Christmas or maybe Easter, something closes on the inside of you and the message of Christianity cannot get through. Now, I want to say a couple of things, especially to those folks that have closed gates. First of all, we're not here to judge you because your gate is closed. This is the kind of church that is filled with people who not so long ago had closed gates. And so I just want you to know you're in good company. We get it. That you're in this process, you're trying to figure this thing out. The second thing you need to know that I believe that a time is coming when you will be willing to open the gate. And it could be that when the pain of your life gets so great that you reach out for help, or maybe your loneliness is so deep, or maybe all those other alternative forms of distraction in your life run their course. And when you want that gate to open, you can open that gate with one simple prayer. So that's a response. So some of you, when we talk about a gate being closed, that's you. And so your response is to take a, a pen and you just circle, that's me, he's talking right to me, my gate is closed. The second picture we have here is a picture of reading glasses sitting on top of a Bible. No doubt that this is in someone's home and you have the fireplace there and, and you have the little scented candle there that is flickering. And this could be your response to the Christmas message because you have listened to the Christmas message and you think, okay, my gate is open. I, I, I think my gate is open, but there's this knowledge gap. I mean, I don't know the story very well. I hear uh, people talk about God and Jesus and the Bible and the church, but I just need more information. Well, it's time for you, your response to the Christmas message is to put on some study glasses and read the Bible for yourself. Maybe that's your New Year's resolution. Maybe you pick up the New Testament and you start reading with the story of Christmas and you start reading about Jesus and his life. And that you can close the knowledge gap and you can take that step. Here's the third picture. The third picture is the a set of suitcases, and it's right there 
beside an open door. Now, to me, this picture represents a spiritual homecoming. Because I realize some of you have wandered away. You've wandered away from the Lord this, this year. You have you've become detached and you've kind of removed yourself from him this Christmas. Now, you didn't intend to wander away, but for one reason or another reason, you have wandered further and further away from God and his church. In fact, it's further away from God than you ever thought you would be. And you miss that sense of purpose and you miss that meaning that God brings to your life. You miss that security of knowing where you are, where you're going when you die. And to those that have drifted so far, I want to say you can come home. You need to know that God has a radically welcoming heart. That he looks to those wandering daughters and sons and says, you can come home. And you've got your suitcase there. And that suitcase is filled with a lot of dirty laundry. And you've been carrying that baggage around. But God has never seen a wandering son or daughter that he doesn't want to wrap his arms around and say to you, welcome home. That's the third response to the Christmas message. That I want to come home. Here's the fourth response. This picture is a picture of a Christmas tree. And someone's putting a star right at the top of that tree. Now, many of you have been uh, spending the last several weeks decorating your house and decorating your tree. You know, to me, your tree can have beautiful lights and ornaments and so forth, but until it has a star, you know, I just like a star up there. And this may be your response because, you see, I believe that some of you need to take that step to where you put Jesus in the top spot of your life. It's about priorities. And when you look at your life, everything but God has been the top priority. Maybe you focus on your education and you've put that central focus. Or or maybe you you focus on your career. Maybe you focus on relationships or whatever it is. God wants to be number one in your life. He wants to be your top priority. And maybe the response that you would have to this message is, God, I'm going to make a commitment to put you number one in my life from this day forward. So now we look at these four examples of responses. We look at them on the screen. We look at them on this piece of paper. So where do you fit in? Which one of these responses do you have? Because we're all about taking next steps. We're all about a spiritual journey. And today, you're here, and I believe that God is prompting you to take that step. Are you willing? Now, some of you have never made a decision to follow Christ. And tonight, your gate is starting to to open up. Tonight is the time for you to pray a simple prayer and invite Jesus Christ to come and be the Lord of your life. 
I'm going to lead you in that prayer in just a few minutes. And I realize that praying is something that is unfamiliar to so many. But you don't have to be fearful. I'm going to just walk you through that. I may give you the words to say, but I, I want this prayer to come from your heart. Let it have meaning. Are you ready? Are you ready to take that step? Are you ready to embrace this new life? Let's pause for a moment and let's pray. Father, I'm so thankful that we have an opportunity to be here on this Christmas Eve in 2019. We are in your presence here. And Lord, there are people in this room that have never made a decision to follow Christ. There are people in our video venue. There are people watching online right now. And this is your day. This is your day to take that step. So I want you to pray with me. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Say that. Say, come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. I want you to pray this. Say, Jesus, make me into the kind of person that you would have me to be. I give you my life. Jesus, help me. Or maybe you say, Jesus, guide me. Or maybe you're saying, Jesus, heal me. Just cry out to him. Say, Jesus, I need help tonight. And Father, as they pray uh, all across this auditorium, all across this church property, I ask that you would do as only you can do, that you would come and bring help and bring salvation and bring um, peace. We thank you for what you're going to do, and we pray this in the strong name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. God bless you, and Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.